Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. Welcome once again to Breaking Waves. This is audio producer Daniel here from Eastside Radio and... uh, The regular presenters are still taking a very well-earned break, so we're bringing you some more of our favourite bits from 2021, just uh, really getting you warmed up for all of the fantastic new episodes that are coming this year. First up, we're going to hear a little bit of John and Riley's origin stories. Uh, We've all got one, we all came from somewhere, and John and Riley just give us a little taste of the nomadic lifestyle they both enjoyed. I had a couple of undiagnosed conditions when I was uh, at school. Um, The first one was I was uh, nearsighted, so I couldn't see the blackboard, which made it quite difficult for me. But because it was undiagnosed, I didn't realise that I couldn't see. That kind of sounds strange, but uh, that's the way it was till I was uh, 14 when I was given glasses. And the other, um, let's say, disability I had was that I was dyslexic. So I found dealing with uh, language and words quite difficult. And um, this affected my ability to spell and to, um, to handle written language. So the result of this was I was labelled as a bit of a troublemaker. And I was... Uh, treated like a dummy, really. I was put in the the classes for the not so bright students. Yeah, that's um that's hard, isn't it? And I I grappled with that as well when I was in school. But I had the other extreme. I had a whole litany of diagnoses, perhaps too many, but it did help me because I was able to get a lot of extra support that I needed uh, from from teachers' aides and. Uh, a troubling, undiagnosable illness came up for me when I was 14. And that was really hard for me at that point because it affected a lot of the things that I took for granted. It impacted my um, thought processes, my memory, and uh, just overall cognitive functioning uh, in a very yeah radical way. And... So to be going through something that was so kind of earth-shattering, but at the same time having it not being recognized or understood by people around me, family, friends, doctors, and so forth, that was another level of alienation on top of dealing with that, that illness. I adopted a nomadic lifestyle from the age of 15 onwards. Uh, it's tied in with this illness, these headaches that I get. But uh, the family home was lost to me when I was 16, uh, about a year after my parents had separated. So I spent a lot of time at friends' places and relatives, grandparents. And then in my early 20s, I got into house-sitting and couch-surfing really in earnest. Yeah, it was um, actually a great relief to me um, when I finished school and sort of escaped my... um family environment not that my parents weren't loving in their own way but i i went off to join the circus basically i entered the music industry 
um, and I was playing in a band and we started playing around Sydney and I sort of entered the Sydney music scene and that was a very exciting time. Yeah, my life was a, a kind of punctuated evolution um, of becoming a, who I am now. I lived a gypsy lifestyle for probably most of my uh, 20s. I was working with all different uh, kinds of musical acts from the poorest to the most successful and uh, they were like little tribes or little families and you know sometimes I'd be sleeping in a barn or in the hire cars other times I'd be sleeping in the gazebo or the Hilton but it was very um, it was a crazy time and I, I still didn't really have a lot of life skills so before I really started my career as a technician, uh, I played around all around Australia in uh, my band called Local Product. We broke up after a couple of years and I was devastated because they were kind of like my surrogate uh, family, my tribe, my the people that gave me a sense of belonging. And I lost them. And it was a very scary uh, time for me. I remember being very directionless and I kind of spiralled and I used a lot of drugs, and I ended up in uh, rehab. I actually got busted, and I was actually sent to my first rehab by the courts, and it's through that first detox I went to that I got in touch with the 12-step fellowships, and through going there, I actually started to learn some living skills that I didn't get from my family environment, uh, stuff that I didn't learn.
That was Stefan Grappelli and Django Reinhardt with their rendition of Nature Boy, the classic Nat King Cole number, and a favourite of Riley's, so we thought it was only appropriate to play it today. Next up, there's been some fantastic interviews throughout the year, and Alex and Arabella have brought us some of the most memorable. Here is a little excerpt of their chat with two fashion designers behind the brand new slow fashion brand, Ilio Nima. Enjoy. How did you two meet? Because like going into business together, that's a big thing. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it is. So we actually we actually met in New York. We um we worked together in New York. Um and uh, Ariane was the design director and I was the production director. So we've kind of um worked in a similar similar situation for a while and it kind of felt like a natural progression for us when we both ended up back in Australia. Um we have a shared passion for artisanal craft and working with um you know, traditional techniques and really slow fashion. So um, we decided to do our own thing. Good on you. And now your new brand, Ilio Nima. Did I pronounce it correct? Yes. Okay, great. So what's the concept behind the new brand and what does the name mean? Um, so Ariane and I spare, um, share a special connection to our Greek heritage. Um, we've both grown up surrounded by and loving Hellenic culture and mythology and storytelling. And so we really wanted to... Um, like draw our name from this this shared um culture that we had so Mm -hmm. ilio means sun in thread and nima i mean ilio needs sun in greek and nima means thread in greek so um together it is sun thread that's beautiful yeah and so we've tried to also have we've got lots of gold threads running through a lot of our designs to kind of represent this name and we have lots of little gold hand beaded um, like hand beaded work through it and gold buttons. We're really trying to bring this gold element through through a lot of our designs. Yeah, I went into your pop-up shop um, last week on Goulburn Street in Surrey Hills and the pieces are so detailed and so beautiful. It's really worth looking at. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, we really love textiles and um, I think we have a shared love for um, hand-woven fabrics and we design every textile ourselves. Uh, we picked all the colors, we designed all the stripes, and we love things that are made by hand because we feel they've got so much more soul and personality um, than things, you know, that you're going to buy on the mass market. And that and, really comes uh, through and, yeah. in the pieces. Can you explain to us what fast fashion is and what do you see the issues of fast fashion? Right. So um, fast fashion, I think, is, you know, all those brands that started correlating from the 90s, I'd say, and then starting making um, trend-based consumption um, with new collection dropping, you know, every two months in store and using chip fabric and polyester and chip make and all done, you know, in China. Not, not that China is all bad, obviously, none of that. They also do beautiful things as well. But um, but I think in so many ways, you know, it's democratized fashion uh, and made lots of products accessible to, to everyone, and it's wonderful. Um, but it also has pushed consumerism really a bit too far, and we're completely overproducing today. Um, and it's destroying the planet, really. So I think every year we're making 150 billion pieces of clothing. So if you make the math, obviously, it's it's a lot per capita. And we know it's not just half of the world buying this. It's really mm. just a developed country. Um, 
and an average Australian buys 27 kilo of clothing a year and then dispose of 23 kilo of clothing. No. So that just shows oh you the gosh. behavior, right? Mm. So the Australians are second most polluting per capita after the US. We think oh. we're doing really well here, but actually our behavior, uh, behavior around shopping is really kind of wrong. Um, I think someone buys a shirt now for $39. If the, the button fall, um, he's, the person's not going to sew it back. It's probably mm. just going to dispose it and buy a new one. Charities then ships it to Africa and it creates enormous trash and you know problems over there with bad gas emission and when it decomposes and it's becoming a, a huge you know really problem. Mm. And welcome back to Eastside Radio 89.7 FM. That was Dami Im with her track Paper Dragon from her 2021 album My Reality. 
You're listening to Breaking Waves, and your regular presenters are all away this week. So I'm uh, audio producer Daniel here, bringing you some of our favourite bits and bobs from 2021 as we really just get the engines revving and get geared up for a fantastic 2022. Now, some of my favourite segments from the last year of programs are those moments when Jeff is struck by the poetic muse. And uh, here we have a short clip of Shay and Jeff discussing a recent trip to Cockatoo Island and some of the history of that, uh, that wonderful place, which uh, brings, out, brings out the poet in Jeff. And I've been to the Cockatoo Island lots of times, yeah. been there with my mum yeah. most of the time, yeah. and I know what it is. It's an island that is around and people put art exhibitions in Cockatoo Island and exhibits on the events. That is very true. Very true. Before they put art exhibitions on Cockatoo Island, they put convicts Convicts. on Cockatoo Island. This is going back to about 1839. It was like a a, um, little mini Mm -hmm. penal settlement for very bad convicts. Yes. Recidivists. Convicts who'd been extra bad. Yeah. You're going to Cockatoo Island, son. Uh, Are you saying that there's a a jail sentence building? If you go there, you can find there's old sandstone prison convict cells yes, still. Yeah. And also, after the convicts, they it was a famous shipbuilding uh, oh. island. So they, they built many ships there. And they, they still have, if you go there, it's a very historic island, yeah. these big shipbuilding sheds yeah. with some of the old machines still uh, in yeah, there. Yeah, the, the, the Cockatoo Island has a very history of how old. It's like almost 200 years old. Is it almost 200 years? 1839. It's about 180 years. Something about that. I'll trust your maths. That's the other. The island was was probably there before that. Yeah. I'm guessing. Well, um, bad convicts uh, initially were sent to Norfolk Island. Yeah. That was like, you don't want to go there. No. And other bad convicts got sent to Port Arthur in Tasmania. Yeah. And you don't want to go there. No. And then eventually in 1839, I think this is a bit later, they opened Cockatoo Island and other bad convicts went there. And then uh, it was uh, shipbuilding. And then, uh, more mm. recently, far more recently, it's been used as a venue for the Biennale. You were talking about art show. Uh, um, the art exhibition has been doing for over 25 years. They've been doing it since 1995, 96. Yeah. And it's um, it's an art exhibition in, in Cockatoo Island, been running for almost 30 years. But um, um, there's a lot of exhibitions that are um, running by in the Eastern Suburbs, National Art School, everything, all the events of art, people go there. You know, Shay, I'm Cockatoo Island. I wanted to go through my poems and say, have I got a cockatoo poem? I didn't quite, but I've got a poem about corellas. Now, corellas are a, a very close cousin of the cockatoo, and I, I kind of like them. Corellas. Mad flyers. Drip like snot from telephone wires, crash land in figs like shot up bombers, shred the air like wood chippers with wings, a low flocking apocalypse coming in over the roofs of dawn, Tora, 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 to strip plane trees like a cheap strip tease, waddle over lawns like old washerwomen bending for pegs. Eyes purple poached as conventions of drunk uncles or drunkles. Corellas, what's not to adore? Oh. Uh, what is the poet about, Jeff? 
Corellas. Corellas? It's about birds? It's about birds. That is nice. Remember the Coldplay? They play about birds. There's a song about birds. Shay, don't mention Coldplay. <laughs> As mentioned, that was Birds by Coldplay here on 89.7 FM, 
You're listening to Breaking Waves. That's all from us this week, but don't go away. More great programming coming up after this. And next week, your regular presenters should be back in the saddle to bring you some brand new episodes. So tune into Breaking Waves then. Until next time, this has been Breaking Waves. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.
shout my hand Oh, sail Oh, me tell you to run Oh, my way 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 Oh